0: Uh, in Revelation, about you know those letters that at the start of Revelation, you, you may or may not have read them, where, where Jesus makes his assessment of churches. And, and on none of them does he ever say, I've got this against you, you only got to 150 members. He doesn't, that doesn't seem to be the thing that matters to our Lord Jesus. He's much more concerned about how they relate to him, to each other, and to the world they live in. If you read all through the New Testament, the Apostle Paul never ever points to any statistic to to authenticate the results of his ministry. He never says we got to this number or we planted that. There's nothing wrong with it. If you're motivated that way, that's absolutely fine. But he never ever does it. Although he is always concerned to go to the next place and to reach the next person and to be whatever he needs to be in order that some might be saved. What ultimately matters is God's opinion, God's measurement. And so I want to talk about three ways that I, I think are more biblical ways of spelling success. The first one is this. Are we a successful church or not? Do we have increasing passionate love for Jesus? That's a question to ask ourselves. Do we have increasing Passionate love for Jesus, or to put it another slightly awkward way, can you look back and remember a time when you loved Jesus more than you do now? Ooh, it's gone all quiet there. Can you look back and remember a time when you loved Jesus more than you did now? A successful church has people that are passionately in love. For Jesus. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4, in, in one church, and he commends them for how hard they've worked, he commends them for their faithfulness in keeping going. But then he says, This, I've got Revelation 2 verse 4, I've got this one thing against you. You've forsaken your first love. I don't know it, what exactly that looked like, but their passion had diminished. Maybe as they sang the songs on a Sunday morning, grace was no longer as amazing to them as it once had been. But, you know, maintaining your love for the Lord is the highest priority for any believer. Maintaining your love for the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 37, that the first command was this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. What what does that mean? It means lock, stock and barrel. I'm all in. That's what it means. It's all there in the Greek. It means I love him with everything I've got, with every bit of me, I love him. That's that's great, isn't it? Wouldn't that be great? You see, it may be that some of us are thinking, well, but this year I really, to be honest, I, I really screwed up. I messed up, I've got myself into a pickle, well, however you want to express it, I, I'm not where I should be, whatever it is. Do you, know, do you know when that happened to the Apostle Peter, who totally denied he even knew Jesus and had a swear up and, as Jesus was going off to be crucified? Uh, the, do you know the one question Jesus asked him when they got back together again? The single question, though he did ask him it three times, was this, do you love me? That's Jesus' highest priority. So whatever your performance has been like in 2019, I don't need to know about that. Jesus knows all about it anyway. If it's not been too great in terms of our love relationship with Jesus, then then he comes to us this morning. Maybe he's walking around by his spirit amongst us, as he certainly is, and he says to you, but this is the thing. Do you love me? This is the real thing. This is the only thing. This is the heart of it all. Do you love me? Yeah, but I did this and I, found, and I swore at him and I kicked the cat. Or was it the other way around? I, I, I've messed up. Yeah, but do you love me? Repentance is not an awful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's when you rush back to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know I've messed up, but I love you. That's a wonderful thing. Increasing passionate love for Jesus. How is that shown in a church? Well, it's shown in three ways that I could think of. Firstly, it's shown in worship. Worship is important not because it's just what we do on a Sunday morning, because, but because it's the means of expressing love for God. A love that he is so worthy of. Worship's not just, oh, I've got to go to church on Sunday. No, it's, that's not it. It's not that. He's worthy because he has loved us so much of our love in return. And he's given us worship as a gift to express that. That's what worship is. It's expressing back to God that he is worthy of our love. Jesus said in John 4, 23, the Father seeks worshippers. What's God looking for? He's looking for people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. He's glorified by worship. He's seeking it amongst us, his people. So so I know some of us, Depending depends on your age. I used to think that, My highest priority was to look cool. To be honest, I was never any good at it anyway. But uh, I'm much cooler now I don't bother than I was when I did bother, if you know what I mean. And it's purely by accident when when it happens. but but, But some of us think that being a bit aloof, being a bit cool, not being too enthusiastic is a mark of maturity. It isn't. Loving God passionately is the best thing you can do. Do you remember that story of, of that woman that came, came in and, and the disciples were really embarrassed because she had, she had a bottle of perfume that was even more expensive than the one I bought my wife this Christmas. In fact, it was, a, it was a year's salary worth of perfume and, and she, she broke, you couldn't open it, you couldn't have a twisty, a twisty or a corky top. It had a smash it open type top and she smashed the neck of it off and poured it over Jesus. So he, he would have gone to his crucifixion still stinking of this perfume and the sweat and the blood and all the other stuff but the house the the house was filled with a perfume and people were embarrassed and and, and he said an interesting thing no, number 1 she said he she she loves a lot because she's forgiven a lot and, and there's that thing and then she said he said a curious thing he said that story will be told wherever the good news is preached why? Why? Why that story? Why not some other healing miracle? Why, Why that story? It's, it's because of this, because the appropriate response to the good news of Jesus, the gospel, is worship. That is the appropriate and only right response to the good news of Jesus, is to pour out our worship to him. So passionate love expressed in worship. Passionate love expressed in a growing obedience to God's word. You know, when, you, um, when I fell in love with Debbie, which is like ancient history now, still going strong, thanks for asking, but uh, when I fell in love with Debbie, I, I just, I, I used to get her, they were the days when people wrote letters. Do you remember letters? Yeah, people wrote letters. I used to, I used to get them out. I think Deb's thrown all the ones I sent her away, but I've still got mine in a, in a loft in a little box because I'm... Just because I'm a softy, and uh, uh, anyway, I, but but I used to read them and reread them. I think, what does she mean by that? What does she mean by that? And if you put a Bible verse on, I'd look it up again, and then, then put it away again. And a bit later, and I'd get it out again. I used to look forward to, to a phone call. That was pre-mobile. I know it's like a semaphore and things like that in those days. But uh, I used to say, why? Because I loved her. I wanted to hear her voice. I just, I just wanted to hear what she's got to say. I wanted to know her opinion. Because, why? Because when you love someone, you want to hear them. I mean, to be honest, I don't always want to hear what she's got to say because sometimes, you know, I need a bit of correction. But, but, but I need to hear her. Do you see what I'm saying? The same is true in our relationship with God. The lover of our souls is a speaking God, he loves to speak. Through his word, supremely. Now he speaks prophetically, but we always weigh that up according to scripture as well. He's a speaking God. He said, Jesus said this, if you really love me, you'll do what I say. John 14 verse 15, you'll obey my commands. One of the measures of our success is, do we want to hear him? And when he speaks, do we do what he says? Because if we love him, we want to obey him. Are we increasing in our love for Jesus? Whatever he speaks to you, he may speak to you about being baptized because that's the first thing you obey him in. Well, what are you doing about it? He may speak to you about giving because he likes giving. God loves a cheerful giver. He says, oh, you can have my whole life but not my wallet. Well, he wants to speak to you about your wallet then. He may speak to you about loving your wife properly. Laying down your life so that she can be the best she can be. He may speak to you about 101 different things that are in the Bible. He may speak to you about doing business honestly. He may speak to you about your tax return. He may speak to you about disciplining your children. He could speak to you about a thousand things. I don't know. He's God. I'm not. But the thing is, are we growing in our obedience to him? And the third thing in terms of passionate love for Jesus, worship, obedience to his word, is a longing and a loving of his presence. Do you long for and love his presence? A.W. Tozer said, he loves to be longed for. I like that quote. God loves to be longed for. Do you remember the psalmist in Psalm 42? As the deer pants for streams of living water, so my soul pants after you. Where can I go to meet with God? That's a great example of someone who is hungry and thirsty. Do you remember the story of Moses? I'm dotting all over the place, forgive me. Do you remember the story of Moses in the Old Testament? When they were in a spot of bother in the, in the, uh, in the wilderness, they'd messed up yet again. And God came to them in Exodus 30, uh, 33. And, and it, at one point, I think it's at the start of that chapter, he, he offers them an angel. H- how would that be? I mean, just think about it. If, God's, if God said to you, Alex, this year, would you like a ten-foot-high, sparkly, fandangled angel to go with you everywhere you go? And on a Sunday morning, I'll send a couple of them along to stand behind the preacher. And I mean, um, but wouldn't they're here already? But but if if he said I'll I'll send, there'll be a revelation of angels everywhere. You know, there'd be twice as many if there was an angel turning up in you know a some of us will be on our faces, but, but, but we'd, in a few weeks, if there were angels turning up and you could see them, we'd have three times as many people here. Do you know what Moses said? He said, no, no. I, uh, I, I. He, he said, unless you yourself come with us, we, we would rather not go anywhere. There's a man who knew his priorities were, were, were not actually... Though I thank God for every manifestation of his presence. That wasn't his priority. His his priority was, I want the presence of God. Exodus 33 verse 15. What else distinguishes us from anyone else but your presence? Without the presence of the Holy Spirit with us and among us as we worship and witness and pray, we're like the Rotary Club but with religious songs. I don't want to be the Rotary Club but with religious songs. I'd rather stay at home and watch Match of the Day and, and, and uh, the political program and all that stuff. You can meet on your own. Without the presence of God, I don't want to do anything. His presence. Are we hungry to know his presence? I, I love that verse in the New Testament where Paul speaks about, about worshipping and, and someone who doesn't, doesn't understand Christian things comes amongst them and says, well, I don't get it, but it seems like God's here. Yes. Oh, that, That's wonderful, isn't it? How I long for more. We touch that and I'm grateful for every time where people say there's something going on amongst you. I'm really grateful. But how I long for more of that. That's a way of spelling success to me. A passionate love for Jesus that's expressed in worship, in obedience and in longing for his presence among us. Here's the second measure of a successful church. A humble serving of one another and our communities. You know, in the world, success is measured by how many people jump when you say jump. How many people serve you? How many people, people even ask it, how many people do you have under you? Well, I've got no one under me, I've Got everybody got everybody above me. That's great. We want to serve other people. The kingdom of God is upside down. Serving is success. In fact, Jesus said, serving is greatness. Matthew 23, verse 11. The greatest among you is the one who serves. He could have said, the most successful among you is the one who serves. Jesus was always talking about serving. Let me give you some quotes. I'm among you as one who serves. The Son of Man came to serve. Or John 13, at the end of that time where he washed the disciples' feet, he says, I've set you an example. Jesus is not just our saviour, he's our example. He came as a servant, emptying himself of all the glory of heaven, becoming a servant, even serving to death. You see, two, 267 or whatever it is, 267 people who are self-serving is not a success. It's a crowd, but it's not a success. 267 people that are serving God with all their hearts. That is a success. I've been um, reading in Ephesians 4 recently. And I, I'm very familiar with, you know, that it says, it says about pastors and preachers and teachers and apostles and prophets and evangelists are there to equip God's people for works of service. But then it goes on to say in verse 11 and 12, so that the church can come to maturity. And I've often thought my job is to to help equip people in order to serve God. But here's the thing. The church doesn't grow mature without serving. I, I don't think Christians become mature Christians unless they're serving. There's something about serving that produces a mature church. Does that make sense? You can read it yourself. I haven't, haven't got time just now. But it says in Ephesians 4, he gives he, the, the ascended Jesus has given these different ministries to equip the saints for works of service so that the whole body may be built up. It's not just, oh, these guys do their stuff and then, oh, we're mature. But... No, no, it's actually, it's as we're equipped and then we serve one another, the community and other nations and so on and so forth, then we grow to maturity through serving. There's loads of opportunity to serve. We learned a while back from, I can't remember where, we learned from somewhere that, that we, can, we can put on a nice, welcoming, community, Sunday morning worship gathering if everybody serves once a month. It's just, I don't know how that works out, but it's, it seems to work. So, so if everybody that comes regularly serves in some way, they help with set-up, they help make tea, they help welcome people, they help with children's work, they do something once a month, that, then we can basically run a Sunday morning. Hallelujah, that, that's, that's, that's great. So, if you're, not, if you're not doing that and you've enjoyed the welcome, well, join the welcome team and, and serve in that way. If you enjoy a cup of tea and a bourbon biscuit, then do that. But let's... Do something. If you come regularly, let's serve because that helps bring a church to maturity. And it's good for us because it helps bring Christians to maturity. That's not the limit of our serving. I mean, that's, that's once a month, for goodness sake. You, you know, don't let me stop you. Do twice a month. But there's all sorts of ways to serve beyond that. I praise God for the ways in which we're able to serve. Serve one another. I, I thank God for a family this year that were bereaved and didn't have to cook for two or, th- two or three weeks. That's, that's serving, isn't it? That's, that's great. Well done. Thank you Thank you so much. I thank God for people that have had babies this year and didn't have, to, didn't have to cook for a couple of weeks. That's a wonderful way of serving. We serve one another. You give a hanky to someone who cr- who's crying, you have a shoulder to lean on and cry. That's all serving God. Well, we serve in our community too. Praise God for the different communities we're serving amongst. Gathering here, but also gathering in Dines Green, serving that community. Gathering in the town centre. That's wonderful. Thank God that our service overseas has increased this year. It's increased into Rwanda, into... I can't remember, some other country that's just escaped my mind. But into the Middle East as well. Praise God. What what might God do? Praise God. We're We're a teeny church. But We're serving in Manchester, we're serving in Wales, we're serving in the Midlands, we're serving in Africa, we're serving in the Middle East. Praise God, that's what we're supposed to do. That brings us maturity. It's great to be serving God. That's a measure of success. So passionate love for Jesus, humble serving of one another and our communities. Here's a third and the last one I want to highlight. And it's this, persistent faith. Persistent faith. I'm sure you'll be aware of um, Hebrews 11, verse 6, which is one of, one of my favorite verses. Uh, although I, I, I can always hear Ishmael singing it in the back of my head because I'm of, I'm of a certain age. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I don't know why. I just can't do it without... You know, that's just the way it is. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. In other words, faith pleases God. Faith is... It, is a success. But almost equal to that verse is uh, what that I like, is, um, it's just my favourite, forgive me, is um, Hebrews 6 verse 12, which says this, copy those who through faith and patient endurance receive what God has promised. You see, you see, we had different sorts of faith this morning. Sometimes there's faith, you pray and something happens. Sometimes there's faith, you pray, nothing happens and you pray again. And nothing happens, and you pray again. And nothing happens, and you pray again. And you keep trusting God. That because he's spoken to you about a move, sooner or later that move will happen. But you just trust him in the meantime. And this verse says, copy those. Let's copy people who, through faith and keeping going, receive what God has promised. You know, Hudson Taylor, who's the guy that started missionary work in China in Victorian times, uh, he believed God. He paced to and fro along, along Brighton Beach and prayed for a worker for every, uh, every region of China and got them. Many, many of them died having just landed. They gave their life to a mission, but now China's the biggest church in the world. It's vast, vast numbers of believers and still growing and growing and growing. He gave his life to that. He had persistent faith. Do you know what he said of himself? He said, I can plod. <laughs> I love that. I can plod. In other words, I am consistently obedient in a straight line trusting God. Are you consistently obedient in a straight line trusting God? Copy people who through faith and patient endurance. There is a strand of teaching on faith which is not really biblical, which basically says if you believe it and claim it, it's yours. Yes, well... Some people have obviously got more faith for me. It's n- never worked for me. I, un- I, underst- I understand what they're saying. There's a, to- there's a time to stand on God's word and-, and believe it. But actually, sometimes you have to stand on it and stand on it and stand on it and stand on it and stand on it. And, and then God gives what you're believing Him for. Let's be people who, through faith and patient endurance, receive what God has promised. G- Galatians 6, verse 9, is a verse for someone here this morning. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. You'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. There's a promise and a condition. Don't grow weary. You'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. If you evangelize again after many disappointments. If you pray for healing again, though you've not been healed up to this point. If you keep saying no to ungodliness, though you're sorely tempted. You'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. We're a church, that's, we, we're attempting, I mean we look a bit bigger this morning, but we're, we're a piddly church really, theological term, forgive me. Uh, but we're, we're a tiny little church, we're, we're attempting to do things that you, we sort of shouldn't do. Why? Because we think God's spoken to us. Let's be. If you think God's spoken to you, well of course there's some sensible things to do. Check it out with others, pray about it, get some wise counsel because that way you're more likely to succeed. But let's have a go. Let's have a go. Who knows what God might do? Started off with some, some numbers. And, and straight obedience over the long-term trusting God has made us fruitful to this point. What, what it might, might it be like in another five years? I don't know. That, my friend, is the adventure. Let's join together and trust God that he will bless us, that, that we'll get a building built that we can't afford to get built. But we've started. See, see, when you look forward, you think, oh man, that's a, that's a big building. We can't do that. When you look back, you think, well, we couldn't buy it, but we bought it. We couldn't re-roof it, but we're re-roofing it. We couldn't reglaze it, but we're re-glazing it. We couldn't do a new f- floor on it, but we're doing a new floor on it. We couldn't clean all the pigeon poo out, but we cleaned all the pigeon poo out. That's progress, isn't it? See, when you look back and see the faithfulness of God... In your life, despite all the ups and downs and even your unfaithfulness, it gives you courage to face the future and say, we'll thank him for all that's past and we'll trust him for all that's to come. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are our Abba, that you love us, that your faith faith is toward us, to bless us. Jesus, we thank you that you're the Son of God, our Saviour. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're our friend, you're our empowerer, you're our equipper, you're our guide, and we place ourselves in your hands at the start of this year and ask you that we would be successful, not in the world's eyes, not even in other Christians' eyes, but in your holy gaze. We want to be people who, out of deep gratitude, for your salvation and your adoption, out of deep gratitude, rendered to you worship that's heartfelt, rendered to you obedience, people who love to come into your presence, a people who serve each other, serve others around them, and even serve other nations. We ask you that you give us grace to be obedient and trusting of you as we move into the future. Provide for us and guide us. We ask you that you would bring glory to your name and that you would enable us to make disciples in this coming year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Great. Brilliant. Thanks, Rich. Uh, Yeah.